0: Hey guys, before we get into our show, here's a podcast that we think you might also enjoy. The Nowhere Dispatch podcast explores the darkest reaches of small towns, wrong turns down dirt roads, and those mysterious things that you can never quite explain.
1: Tune in, listeners, as I, Lucas, your host, tell you about the eerie and creepy things
0: I've found out here in East Texas. From true crime and cold cases to tales of the paranormal, cryptids, and local legends, you'll find something that speaks to the creepy side of your mind. Find the Nowhere Dispatch at Nowhere-Dispatch.com and listen in on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. We'll be waiting for you to join us on our journey through Nowhere. Hey, hold on a second. I just heard some weird beeping sound in my house. Yeah, I heard that too. Alright, what's up everybody and welcome to episode number 78 of uncovering unexplained mysteries for Saturday, January 13th, 2018. I am here with my co-host, Mike Brizzle. How are you doing Breezy? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Um, it's a
1: mystery to me about the weather here in Vancouver, Washington. Uh, um, I'm not used to this in winter. Like, it's supposed to be really cold and potential snow and ice and stuff in January. And it's, like, 58 degrees outside and the sun is out.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at your temperature right now. Bro, it's colder here in Jacksonville right, yeah. than it is over there. That What the hell is going on? Climate change. It's real, folks. <laughs> the, the earth is flat, actually, I think, now after looking <laughs> at this. Because... I'm further south, therefore I should be warmer. You are more up north. The earth must be flat. <laughs> uh, then I
1: also saw a picture online. It was like there was a desert, the desert somewhere and there was snow or something like that. What the hell is going on?
0: <laughs> exactly. Cats and dogs sleeping together. Mass hysteria. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, our last episode was apparently really funny, according to some people. Um, I, I have personally, 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 I felt the pressure of, of fame and having to, you know, like last episode was like our hit song. And now I'm feeling the pressure to like come up with a follow up. <laughs> and so I've been doing just a lot of drugs this week because I know that I'll never be able to top our last great single. And now it's just going to be like a typical VH1 behind the music of how me and Mike spiral into like drug use and obscurity. But we're going to return to our roots and make a comeback with around like episode 83 or something like that. So look forward to that. Like me and Mike will break up, we'll both do separate podcasts and uh, then like down the road we'll we'll be like, hey man, you know, why don't we get together, bring it, get the bull band back together and uh do that old uncover and unexplained mysteries podcast again and like the fans will be more excited than ever. <laughs> I think I'm I you know, I think it was some of that PCP I, I tried before doing this podcast. It's really I it's not helping my anxiety like I thought it might. Also, something you guys might find entertaining about my personal life is, um, as I said on Facebook, there is a fat, healthy-ass possum living underneath my (laughs) bathtub uh, in my house. Well, not. I mean, I guess it's in my house. It's under the house. And I know it's a possum because I saw it in the backyard, and it ran towards the back of my house where there's a hole under the house to get in, and, like... I had a spotlight on this thing and and I'm telling you that is a healthy fit muscular because you know the possums that I normally see like on the side of the road are kind of t- small and like almost like yeah. the size of cats this one this, this is a thick this one possum. was thick just solid <laughs> solid built possum <laughs> um he was like not he's a brick house yes <laughs> and is under my house and and people have it, and by far, like all the stuff I post on Facebook, I'm promoting my band. I'm promoting that my YouTube channel. You know, it might get a few likes, a few people commenting, wishing me well. I post this shit about the possum on my Facebook. I got and everyone's like, "Yeah, let me talk about that I, you know, possum." Yeah, <laughs> dude, I got people that I didn't even think knew we were friends on Facebook because of how little they <laughs> commented on my shit. I had even those people commenting on the damn yeah. possum status. So, and everyone's saying, oh, well, some people are wanting me to befriend the possum, some people Keep are, it. Yeah, some people are wanting me Feed to, like... Feed it, yeah, make it a pet. Yeah.
1: Walk it around the block.
0: They're wanting me to do all <laughs> these various things, and some people are even saying, well, what's, what's the big deal? The big deal is... I have a bathtub much like anybody else. It's kind of that, um... The metal or porcelain, whatever the fuck bathtubs are made of. I think it's metal, right? I don't know. Um... It, well, mine's it, made out of like plastic or some shit. So, yeah, yeah, the one that my parents' mobile home is made out of plastic as well. But this one's that that metallic white, whatever. It's, okay. It it scratches underneath the bathtub, and you just hear this scratching noise in coming Ooh. from my bathroom, almost like there's something in the bathtub. And you pull the curtain back, and there's nothing there. And psychologically that would be pretty rough psychologically it's a weird thing because like literally i thought one night i thought i heard my door front door to my house and i live alone folks need i remind you i thought i heard my door open and then shut so i grabbed my bat and i darted into the living room and there was nothing and then i realized when i heard a noise similar to it it's that possum somehow like doing something in the bathroom and it's making it sound it's it's mimicking the sound of like a door opening or something like that. I don't Maybe know. Maybe there,
1: there's, there really isn't a possum. It, it's, it's, it's a ghost possum. <laughs> Look, I, I mean, living it's on your own, haunted by an evil possum, the spirit of an evil possum. It that was ran over
0: living on your own is great and all but psychologically you do kind of become like the guy from a beautiful mind where like all that you kind of start having hallucinations and I think I'm slowly going insane here living by myself I really do I think that there is no possum Josh yeah (laughs) (laughs) there there is no possum there is no podcast you've been in a mental ward for the last two years I keep checking some mailbox, thinking all this—there's all this fan mail in there. Really, it's some like old, beaten up coffee can with like briars and like sticks <laughs> growing over it and shit, you know. But in my mind, it's some nice mailbox and uh, my own house and all that. Yeah, no, I th- I'm starting to think that might be my reality. That's fine though, as long as uh, as long as I can stay in this reality and not return to the mental ward, I'll I'll be fine. Um, So yeah, these are some Unsolved Mysteries. This is a podcast about the show Unsolved Mysteries. Um, If you want to do a... Go ahead, Mike. And uh, both of these actually are still unsolved for the most part. Yeah, for the most part. Um, I'll get some of these plugs out of the way up front since I kind of forgot last time. Uh, If you want to like us on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. But I would prefer you to join our Facebook group which is the same name. Just go on the group section of Facebook and search Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Uh, a lot more interactive, and certain things are posted on there that I can't mention here. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at UncoveringUM. You know, like Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, but it's at UncoveringUM. Uncovering... UM. Yeah, pretty much. Um, speaking of Twitter, I just sent a, a blasted out a bunch of stuff to uh, other fellow true crime podcasters to uh, do some promo swaps Because I really do want to build the fan base of this podcast up as much as possible And one day maybe compete with the last podcast on the left Because those guys <laughs> those guys make $27,000 a month on their fucking Patreon In, in, in our dreams Yeah, right <laughs> I know we'll never reach that level But I mean, I don't know Maybe um, you can follow us on, uh, oh, Patreon. I just take 1,000, <laughs> you know? Oh, like, yeah, just I know. Just that, like, yeah. or
1: 500 or 200 or, you know. We're thankful for, We already kind of make
0: that, though. We're thankful for everything we get. Uh, yeah, everything. Speaking of Patreon, it's, um, patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. If you want to donate to us, uh, we do special bonus content on there. You get the podcast a day early, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and... I'll save our YouTube channel things for the end, because who wants to hear all those fucking (laughs) plugs? The first uh, case is my pick. It's
1: one I don't remember seeing from the VHS rips, so when I first saw this, I was like, whoa, it really kind of took me uh, for a loop, so to speak. Uh, This one is the case of the shotgun survivor a woman named Debbie, but that's not a real name. Uh, Her real name was never revealed in this segment, and you can understand why when you see what she went through. On Business Route 95 in Fayetteville, North Carolina, state troopers Chris Dew and Ron Knight stopped to compare notes during a routine patrol. According to Ron Knight, two minutes into their conversation, they were interrupted. A lady walked out of the woods about 75 yards away and started toward us. Staggering. She had blood on her shoulders and she was coming in our our direction. I laid her on the ground and the other trooper went to his car and called for an ambulance. And shortly thereafter, an ambulance arrived and transported the lady to the hospital. The young woman had been shot in the face with a 12-gauge double-barreled shotgun. Her left jaw was completely shattered and she was unable to speak. She had no identification, and it was not until 10 hours later when her condition stabilized that she was able to write down her mother's name and telephone number. Police discovered the victim was from Winston-Salem, 120 miles away. Detective Ken Bishop of the Winston-Salem Police Department worked on the case with the Fayetteville investigators. We conducted probably a 30-minute interview with her. It was probably the most severe injury I've ever seen for a person that survived. It really is a miracle that she lived. Yeah, uh, after being shot square in the face with a double-barreled 12-gauge shotgun,
0: and I, I like in the reenactment, <laughs> I thought they did a really good job. Uh, this is like classic unsolved mysteries. This yes. segment right here. This it, is from
1: season three. It's
0: in, it, and again, it's that intangible unsolved mysteries, uh, just that classic feel that the older episodes had. The doctor, before the investigators went into the room to see the the woman, uh, Debbie, uh, the doctor in the reenactment, like was like. He had to prepare the detectives before they walked in. He's like, I just yeah. want to prepare you, you know, for what you're about to see. And, you know, just that little touch, you know, even in the reenactment. Like, they didn't have to put that in there, but they were really... Yeah, and I'm glad they did that because that they
1: didn't show any of that. Because they probably couldn't have because it's network television. They're not going to be able to show something that gruesome. So they were able to put that image in your mind with... The doctor saying, you know, I want to let you know, like, this is really, really, really messed up. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, they might have been able to do something with that. But, like, that's yet another thing I wanted to mention is just the the kind of the classiness uh, that the yeah. show had. Because it's like, yeah, they do show some gruesome things here and there. But it's never to the point of, like, shock and awe, vulgarity you know kind of thing like that i feel like it's not
1: grossed out or anything like that yeah
0: i feel like they only show it when when it needs to serve the story and like showing this chick with like her skeleton face kind of sticking out would not have really served the story it would have just been more of a shock and like disturbing and and you're right they probably wouldn't have been able to show it but yeah i just thought they did that reenactment really good because the doctor's like you know i need to prepare you for this and yeah, I mean, even yeah. even the te- detectives talking about how it was the most kind of the most gruesome injury he had ever seen. So basically, that's like the whole thing of like what's in your mind is going to be worse than what anybody could ever show. And they did a good job yeah. of putting that in your head with this segment, because it's like, yeah, everyone's alluding to the and no one's going right out and saying her face was fucked there, but they are alluding to yeah. it. In so many different ways, which well, I thought and was also,
1: brilliant. Also, you, you didn't even get to see her face either. She covered, uh, when she was interviewed, she did the whole uh, shadow. Yeah, the silhouette thing where they black her the out. silhouette thing. Which makes sense. Uh, she was, it's it's a horrible disfigurement. And nobody did, nobody deserves that. And and nobody should ever have to go through anything like what this this woman poor woman went
0: through yeah man and and just from hearing her speak she was like "Uh -uh. or how they catch the person who did this because she needs and it's like oh my god with her speech pattern i don't even want to know what her face looked like just from hearing how she was talking like oh my god that's so brutal i
1: I gotta say though she's a strong woman because uh she decided to persevere after all of that and you know i gotta give her a lot of credit for that yeah, it's So although the victim could not speak, she was able to write down a detailed description of the savage attack and the attacker. Police fear that if the man responsible for this hideous crime is not caught, he could easily strike again. The young victim who was attacked courageously agreed to be interviewed because she has requested that we do not use her real name. We will call her Debbie. This is Debbie's story. On the morning of March 22nd, 1990, Debbie made a large cash withdrawal from the First Union Bank in Winston-Salem. When she left the bank at 9 40 AM, a gunman entered her gray area her gray station wagon and forced her to drive to a liquor store three miles away. The man went inside to buy whiskey, holding Debbie's car keys and keeping a close eye on her. Now the 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 way that this reenactment is shot is I, I honestly have to say is phenomenal. Really well shot. Uh it's a very tense and uh really thrilling but like i don't know if thrilling is the right word for it but it's a very tense and suspenseful uh reenactment because imagine if you're in this situation you're just like oh, i'm just depositing some money or i'm getting some money out of my out of my bank account boom some guy shows up he's got a shotgun and he's like you know get, get in the car get in the car
0: yeah i mean i think it shows like it's terrifying yeah it shows like unsolved mysteries that um have kind of put that fear in me to where i i am a little bit uh, i'm well i'm a lot more cautious when i go out and i i'm constantly locking my car you know even if i'm just walking into the gas station i lock my car you know and and yeah no. I, I, I never just leave it unlocked i mean hell my friend got his car stolen because he left well see some people do this thing here too which i think is a dumbass move they leave their keys in the ignition. They leave the car. Well, that is dumb. They leave that, the car on. running no. and they go into the gas no. station. Yeah. No. I mean, how lazy <laughs> do you have to be towards like I don't feel like turning it counterclockwise to turn the vehicle off and put the keys in my pocket. That's just a little. That's just an extra step that I don't want to take. You know, like that's so <laughs> so lazy. But um, in the reenactment when. He's in the liquor store, he's sitting there watching her like a hawk, you know, and and he told her that if you try to run, I will kill everybody in this liquor store. Yeah, that, yeah. So it puts this kind of like, you almost become like the lives of many people rest on you and it puts you in one of those crazy, surreal situations that no one ever thinks they're going to be in. But me, and I had to think about this when I was watching the segment, I still would have tried to run for it. Because I think yeah. I think people like this are so mentally unstable. They don't know what they're gonna do. They just like say a bunch of shit to try to control and keep you in in their control. Um, I think if she had tried to run in a public place, I think she would have had a very good chance of escaping. Because as we learn, la- yeah. as we learn later on, she tries to run anyway, but she runs in a very dumb spot where you know it does you no good to run because you're not gonna get away in yeah. that situation. So that was kind of her one chance to survive. But I can see
1: why she did what she did, though. I mean, a lot of people would, you know, do the same thing. They don't. The needs of the many out need the the you know the you know the needs of you know the one you know stuff like that,
0: right? But I mean, like I don't know. I'm I'm such a self-preservationist. I've been in situations before where I could have chosen to risk my own life and potentially save somebody but honestly i i thought it would be a better idea instead of like like i got into a car wreck one time where my uh, cousin drove us into the middle of a retention pond and he was knocked uh-huh. he was knocked out and his girlfriend was in the car and, but she was fine and <clears throat> i could have stayed in the car as water was filling up and tried to pull him out but I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that because at the time he was like at least in in the 200 pound range and I thought... Well, yeah, you got to know your
1: limitations, but also sometimes your body will give you the strength to do that. It'll give you a surge of adrenaline. Well, I didn't want to to rely on any kind of like like
0: X-Men superpowers kicking in. I I thought it would be a smarter (laughs) idea to save myself and then call for help. I, I,
1: I probably would have done the same thing in that scenario and then like call the ambulance or something like that or have them come over and see what they can do like but like did, what did honestly get out uh
0: yeah he 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 he, he came to at uh, dude it was it's really kind of a crazy story i'll tell it in full yeah. full at some point um if people want me to um yeah he came to at the last minute as the truck was literally kind of like kind of starting to sink because like whoa how how it we ramped Did off the
1: girlfriend wake up too uh, she
0: never got knocked out she stayed in the car with him trying to trying to get him to wake up oh, okay. so i guess she was more like loving and caring than i was in a certain extent you're like fuck this guy drown <laughs> i, I mean, shit. you know i've known him for because i, cause I was, that was that was it happened on my 19th birthday oh, i've only known him for 19 years you know i mean that's, <clears throat> that's really not that long in the grand scheme <clears throat> of things you know i mean and I, you know, he's not even fucking me. He's fucking her at least. You know, I mean, <laughs> she's got more of a motivation, really, if you think about it. No, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I'm joking, but uh, yeah, no, that. Uh, now he got out. Well, I'm glad you made it, and I'm glad everybody made it out okay. Yeah.
1: So the man then ordered Debbie to head towards Fayetteville. For four agonizing hours, he threatened her life, drank heavily, and bragged that he once killed a man in New York. For Debbie, the journey was a living hell. A lot of the time, he just wouldn't talk to me at all, and when he did, he was very abusive, very angry. It got worse as time went on because he was drinking also the liquor, and he would just get more angry and more irrational, and I got more afraid knowing I could not reason with him. About three miles north of Fayetteville, the man forced Debbie to pull off the road. Debbie made an attempt to escape, but she was unable to flee from her kidnapper. At almost the same moment, State Trooper Ron Knight noticed Debbie's gray station wagon. I was going to cross over and check the vehicle and at just about this time I met a speeding vehicle traveling south on I-95 business so I turned and pursued that vehicle.
0: See that's crazy. That is so that,
1: that's crazy. Like He was right there. He could have prevented something really bad from happening but then some guy was speeding. Like, you know, that's Whoever see, that guy is, why did you
0: have to be the, why did you have to be speeding? That's where the whole religion at that thing particular moment. That's where the whole religion thing doesn't uh, add up to me if there is a god because why, at that exact moment where that cop was going to check the car and potentially save this chick from getting her jaw blown off, why did uh, a speeding car happen to go by at that exact moment? To, and and how, how did the, the killer, or, or would-be killer, get off so lucky in that instance if there was a, a, a you know a, an all-knowing God and this was God's plan? How exactly was this God's plan, pray tell? You know, I, you know, that's, that's just the kind of, that's the part where I have to go, yeah, divine plan, my aching ass, you know, that there's nothing (laughs) divine about that plan. It just happened as things do. They just happen. That's one of those things that,
1: well, some people would say it's not God's plan. Then that's, that's not, God isn't the one that did that. Maybe it's the the plan of, it was the devil, Satan, (laughs) Satan, (laughs) perhaps Satan, (laughs) So about three miles north of Fayetteville, uh, the man forced Debbie to pull off the road. Uh, he pursued the, the cop, then pursued the speeding vehicle. Debbie was beaten and sexually assaulted and then left for dead after being shot in the face. Now, the way that the reenactment shot this scene, I thought was really well done. I thought I did a great job capturing what it would be like to be disorientated and like freaked out and pumped full of adrenaline, trying to run away from some guy who's threatening to kill you. I thought the way that they had the camera kind of shaking around, I thought actually added to the reenactment and the same, and it was actually a good use of Salomo Yeah, it was like when I first saw this, 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 this uh, moment in the reenactment, I was like, Whoa, I was like, Whoa. like it really, it kind of it, it gave me
0: a little bit some chills down my spine it was the whole um, way w- it was that old, it's nightmarish it was that old school like way that um the ol- the older shows like horror you know it's i don't know if it's it's exactly slow mo it's like one of those things where they drop the frame rate down on the camera to yeah. like three like three frames per second so you're getting like these like little like these long kind of pauses in between frames. So it's like this, it it appears to be slow motion, but it's just fragmented like scenes. Um, It's, you know, I mean, you guys would know what I'm talking about if you saw it, but, but yeah, it's, it's that kind of that old school, you know, I guess it's supposed to, to simulate the kind of a nightmare. Yeah. Like if you're in that situation, how everything's just like snapshots and there's no real continuous, like frame of mind and how surreal
1: how surreal that would be because that's really the kind of feeling you would have is the kind of feeling you get when you watch this particular part of this segment it's like where are you going
0: you're not going anywhere you know yeah you know what's crazy is when she actually like surfaces out of the woods and the two cops the two patrol people who are on the side of the road in their car when they see her come out at the beginning of the segment I swear to God, from the uh, reenactment, like she looks black. I thought she was a black yeah. chick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she, yeah. like, then she ends up being white, and yeah. that was just a really poor um, casting of the actor the cast is, casted an actress. I mean, who I don't is, uh,
1: had a really dark tan.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it was in, and, and even the hair too, <laughs> to a certain extent. I don't know if it was uh, like the video, like if like the remastered video or whatever. Like maybe it's. It's got some kind of weird. No, tint. I
1: mean, there's there's a picture on on the unsolved.com site that shows it, and I can see what you mean.
0: Yeah, like I thought she was black, you know. I thought it was some like black on black crime, but then she turned out maybe, white. Maybe 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 it's just the uh, lighting. Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird because um, it is. I've never seen such a bad. I didn't like, say casting. I was gonna say anything because I was like, I, uh, you know, but you know, because you you because you can't you can't point out the fact that there are people that are black and white in in, in, <laughs> in that's how that's how sensitive you got to be uh I, I don't know what they looked like uh they it was a female I, I think it might not have been a female they might not have identified as a female so i don't want to <laughs> say it was a female they were a human being i saw a human being you know can you describe the person more no i cannot but
1: what if they identify as a furry or something or something you know something other than you know a human you know
0: that's that's true uh, They could be uh, They could be a, a Scientologist And be like I am an operating Thetan I am not a, a person <laughs> So The next day Debbie's station wagon was found
1: Abandoned 300 miles away in northern Florida Authorities in Fayetteville Investigated the crime scene Their search turned up a dark blue pea jacket And brown cloth gloves According to Ken Bishop Both smelled like petroleum We think we're looking at a person who works around that type of product and possibly could be a mechanic, somebody who works with with greasy, grimy motors, that kind of thing. Possibly even somebody who drives a heating oil type of truck. Debbie's assailant was about 5 feet 10 inches tall and weighed between 150 and 160 pounds. For Debbie, until her attacker is found, she'll never feel completely safe. I'm going to continually feel like he's there. He's out there. I know it's an unlikelihood that he'll try to find me, but it's that fear of him being there and that he also might hurt someone else. And uh, the guy was never caught. Now, there is a possible suspect in Debbie's attack, whose name is Ernest Ray Cherry, who was convicted of attacking and raping another woman in North Carolina in 1992. He matches the description of Debbie's attacker, and there are several similarities between his known victim's attack and Debbie's. Also, Cherry abducted his victim from the same city that Debbie was abducted. Abducted from, Cherry is currently serving a life sentence for rape and attempted murder of another victim. However, he has never been charged or officially named a suspect in Debbie's case. Sounds like that lines up pretty well. I, I think he might. I, I think there's a good chance that he might have been the one that shot this poor woman in the face.
0: Yeah, could be. I mean. There are also cases though I saw one recently on the Amazon Prime episodes where this girl went missing and um, this one weirdo in the neighborhood got blamed for it because he had like her pictures plastered all over his car and he like came to the the mom's door and he's like I want to be the one to find your daughter and he was getting all emotional and shit and everyone's just like this guy's acting really weird. And um, then some other girl went missing, and he tried to look for her, too. And he would visit her grave site. And he had no relation to either of these girls. And so everyone was like, this, this guy, you know, he's probably the guy. But they had no way to prove it, per se. And um, he actually ended up suing the state of California for defamation of character because of all the... Um, Cause I think I forget how it's it would be a good case to cover. Um he ended up suing and they Yeah, maybe you might want to save save this. Yeah, this does sound like an interesting case. Yeah, he <laughs> ended up suing and, and, and he actually like won the settlement and they settled out of court for some kind of settlement and um then they ended up finding the killer and, and he wasn't it wasn't the the weirdo in the neighborhood that everyone thought it was. It was some other guy. Huh. So yeah, I mean All right. things can look a certain and, and when I saw that case, that really reminded me that there really is a due process in our legal system that you have to follow. You can't just go around accusing people. He did it. Yeah.
1: But, I mean, when it comes to uh, situations lately with uh, sexual misconduct, misda- misconduct, sorry, I can't even say the word for some reason right now, and uh, assault... You know, if somebody just accuses somebody nowadays, it seems like, well, automatically, people are just going to assume that that's true. I personally feel like people are
0: getting so, like... Or domestic violence, that's another thing. People are getting so, like, burned out on hearing about all these, like, news blurbs that are popping up left and right about these sexual assault cases against these big celebrities. I think I think it's almost, like, desensitizing people to it. Because, like, the first, like four or, or or six or however many were like oh my god oh my god oh my god and now it's like okay there's another you know James Franco apparently did this that and the other and it, it's I think it's kind of getting to the point to where it's like are all these people really out there like molesting people or or are people starting to be like oh this is this is some kind of like opportunity that I can seize I think I think that has to be put into question at some point, you know, like, is there something to be gained by me, you know, taking something and... Well, yeah, I agree
1: with that. I don't think any of this is black and white, and, and none of this is... If somebody comes up with an accusation until there's actual legitimate proof, and, and like, for example, someone like Kevin Spacey, there's tons of proof, and I'm that's totally in my opinion, totally accurate. But there are other cases where there's not really a lot there other than just somebody coming up on Twitter and accusing somebody of doing something. So I think people need to be careful. And I think they need to think for themselves. And I think they need to understand that
0: people are innocent until proven guilty. Right. Because, I mean, the first few, it's like, yeah, you know, okay, but then after that you got like like with anything else you you got to kind of use your your own judgment and be like okay you know people are seeing now that if I accuse somebody of molesting me then I can potentially I can make a name for myself I can I could gain financially from this and I'm not saying that it's every you know every case is that no. way but you got to no. consider those things before you ruin somebody's career. You know what I mean? Like before you just ruin their whole th- dynasty that they've built from their hard work, you know, you got to think about is this, is if this is true, absolutely. They need to th- to the letter of the law, you know, they need to be prosecuted and, you know, they don't need to have a career anymore if, if it's true. But if it's not true and you're just believing like any Tom, Dick or Harry who's saying, Oh yeah, someone's, you know, but Seth Rogen slapped my ass back in 2013, you know, and, 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 and you know, yeah, it, de- it didn't happen. And then it comes to find out this person didn't even know Seth Rogen. And I'm not saying Seth Rogen's involved. I'm just using him for the yeah. example. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta use your head, you know, like, I think people are kind of, you know, getting to that point now, cause it's just getting a little it's a cold of outrage. Yeah. It's getting a little crazy at this point. I mean, so,
1: and it. And Keanu Reeves understands this, and so uh, I don't. I don't know if he does this every time, but there's a great photo that's circulating where Keanu Reeves has has, has, like a little photo shoot with like these two women, and his arms are around them, but his hands are like not not touching their you know behinds or anything. His hands are just touching the air, (laughs) so it's like
0: (laughs) I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. yeah dude i mean like that's a that's like i said like uh or i was listening to bill burr's podcast and he's like uh you know anytime you talk to a girl now you need an attorney with you you know like (laughs) you know just to be on the safe side and look you know if it talking about outrage culture because i know it's even bringing this topic up is going to get people like heated but i'm not like defending anybody but at the same time I'm i'm not either at the same time i'm not i am I'm simply not going to go with the crowd and and anybody who makes an accusation like some fucking witch hunt. I'm not gonna be like, yeah, you're right, they're a horrible piece of shit. We should just ban them from everything and you know cast them off our island and shit no, I'm not gonna fall I'm not gonna do that shit either. like you know, show no. show me the facts or be like Louis CK and go out and admit it and if you like if the guy admits, say, yeah, I did it, you know, or if it comes somehow comes out that they, they were responsible, then yeah, absolutely like they should be you know pro- uh, prosecuted to the fullest letter of the law but you know i just can't go along with ruining people's careers you know over um conjecture anyway let's move on to our next case the case of um that just got that just not only did that lose us listeners just then but it got, it got <laughs> us at least one uh one star review which we, ha- we actually haven't gotten a one star in a while so i, I kind of kind of miss them so if you guys want to no,
1: i think i think you did a good job there articulating yourself and i i don't i don't see anything wrong with what you said whatsoever if you guys want to leave us
0: a one-star review and tell us how awful we are on itunes go ahead and do it uh we already have we already have like <laughs> I, I, i'd actually
1: rather not you do that like if you want to give us a five-star review and tell us how awesome we are I, I i would i'd rather see that you know what
0: mike let's meet let's meet in the middle give us a bunch of three-star reviews which will do absolutely <laughs> nothing for us Tell the world how mediocre and passable our podcast is. Um, <laughs> yeah, we need to do some. Uh, we need to read some bad re- reviews here sometime soon because huh. the fans seem so, to enjoy our. Pain. Speaking
1: of bad things, uh, this is this is a case of skullduggery, and it, I don't know why they why the segment is titled skullduggery on the uh, box. Yeah, set. it's on the ultimate
0: collection. I don't really appreciate.
1: They're not really digging. There's nothing, They don't dig for anything, but it is something bad that you really do not want to see outside your favorite restaurant's window.
0: Yeah, I don't really appreciate how they named it Skullduggery because it's, it's almost like a cheeky, because the definition of Skullduggery is underhanded or unscrupulous behavior, trickery, something like that. Yeah. It's an old, antiquated English terminology that nobody uses anymore. But, you know, they're being kind of cheeky and naming this skullduggery because there is a skull that is found in dirt in this segment, which we'll later talk about. It's like, really? You have to pick a cute little cheeky name referring to this awful thing that happened to this family? Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, So in Bridgeton, Missouri, at the uh, Casa Gallardo, I don't know restaurant it's a mexican restaurant uh in missouri two women having lunch noticed something strange outside the window there in the bushes was a human skull police chief walter mutart described the bizarre scene you know can there ever be a fucking name on this on this show that is it john stevenson uh it's it's probably walter mutair frank morris uh todd it's probably it's probably mutair the t's probably silent jane sullivan can can we have some names like that
1: please with you know well i just said some names from the police officers in the segment i discussed those are pretty simple maybe maybe that's maybe you just get the ones that are like really hard to anyway uh,
0: police chief mutart describes a (laughs) but He describes a bizarre scene. He said, it's a very well-manicured area, plants and gravel and what have you. And the way it was situated, it would give one the impression that, you know, somebody put it there so you would see it. During that time period, there was a relocation of of a cemetery uh, that was in the area, and there was a lot of bodies that were being exhumed and graves being moved. So it gives you the impression now that this may be a prank, and there would be no reason to suspect that there was any foul play I- now i got to say the 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 actresses who
1: are reacting to this skull i thought it, it wasn't quite believable enough for me like if i saw that i'd be like holy shit
0: j- what is that a skull <laughs> well uh- I wanted to. I wanted to mention about how fucking cavalier the guy was. The uh, police chief was about how well, the police chief was pretty cavalier about it too. He's like, ah, yeah, you know, they were probably just a prank. Yeah, a skull. Kids being kids, grabbing human dead human skulls from relocated cemeteries and putting them in bushes of Mexican restaurants. Um, this this episode, though, it is one of my more favorite uh, bizarre yeah. murders. Um, I don't
1: know if I'd ever want to go back to that restaurant. If I went to a restaurant and I saw a human skull outside the window, I'd be like, you yeah, know, that, that really taints my uh, experience of the well, Casa Galago. Well,
0: none, nonetheless, um, this is one of the later episodes it's from season 11 on the amazon prime but
1: 2000 i think it was like a lifetime thing yeah 2001 so
0: yeah the i will say the actors and actresses that reenacted any of this they were all pretty bad and not only were they they not and then the music too like there
1: was like music stings at times that were really not
0: needed yeah and kind of came out of nowhere and on top of the actress actresses and actors not being so great they are so much more attractive than any of the people who are actually involved <laughs> in this segment.
1: Hey, that's nothing new. You know that's happened. I, I know, but dude, before. this
0: is such, this is such a gross example of that because like the guy the supermodels. Oh yeah. The guy, Yeah, the, the, the <laughs> guy uh, yeah. who's playing, uh, the husband, he's like this suave, Don, su- yeah. this is suave mechanic looking, you know, guy. And then the Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> yeah and then the woman is like this really cute you know in her little nurse outfit and all this other kind of shit looking all sexy you know like so but neither one of these people are attractive people in real life <laughs> like the dawn in real life especially in his younger years when they show him he looks like some hillbilly from like the foothills of appalachia or something it's this guy <laughs> or a porn star no, oh, no porn. porn he would not have gotten work as a porn star. I mean, I know you're looking at the, the same picture I'm looking at right now, but he, uh, he's. I've seen porn star named
1: John Schneider who looks almost exactly like him. So yeah, he might have.
0: All right. Apparently, Mike is a porn connoisseur. I I, I did not know that about him. I'm you, Mike. not. I'm not. I've just been watching the cinema snob uh-huh. and he reviews porn. How, yeah, that's that's one thing. How exactly does the cinema snob review porn without getting flagged out the ass? Because he blocks out the. Nudity. Oh wow, that's crazy. Anyway, and uh, the
1: girl, like she's got a mullet going on.
0: Yeah, these people in real life are not attractive, and the people and the uh, the actors they hired are very attractive. So that's the point I'm trying to make. The skull, determined to be from an adult woman, went into e- it went into the evidence room at the morgue and was soon forgotten. One year later, at a police station 25 miles away, a mysterious letter arrived. It stated. The Bridgeton police have L. Sherman's skull. And I just thought that was very military-like, how they named her L. Sherman instead of saying Linda Sherman's skull. Dental records showed that the skull was, in fact, that of Linda Sherman, a 27-year-old wife and mother who had been reported missing five years earlier on April 22, 1985. A missing person's case suddenly became a puzzling murder mystery with many unanswered questions. What motive would someone have for leaving Linda Sherman's skull outside the restaurant? Where was the rest of her body? And most importantly, who was responsible for her death? Linda was only 17 when she married Don Sherman, her high school sweetheart. Her daughter Patty was born soon thereafter. Linda could always count on her mom to watch the baby while she completed her senior year. Don Sherman said he took a job at a local gas station to support his new family. Quoting Don here, he goes, It was hard, but it was rewarding. We were very happy together. The relationship was rocky later on in our marriage, but not in the early years. Money problems and working opposite shifts at their jobs strained the relationship. During the 10-year marriage, Linda took Patty and moved out several times. But the couple always reconciled. According to Linda's older brother, Dennis Lutz, Don was obsessed with knowing Linda's every move. Quoting Dennis here, Don was very possessive of her. She said, When I get off of work, if I'm not home within five minutes, he wants to know what's going on. Who are you seeing? What are you doing? Out that late. He was always hitting her, and things just weren't right. Well, what the fuck were you doing, Dennis? Just sitting around letting it happen. No, I'm just joking, Dennis. It's- he was just being a menace. <laughs> I, I, right, yeah, that was good, Mike. Mike always on time with the jokes. Linda told her family that she was afraid of Don's violent temper. And after seeing this guy in the interview, like, cause Don, to his credit, he did show up to be interviewed for the show, which always gives someone a little more credibility in my book that they have the balls to like show up and like give their side of the story. He definitely has that slightly annoyed attitude the whole interview. Like, he's he's slightly annoyed to be there. He's slightly annoyed that people are.
1: That's especially evident when he's talking about like what might have happened to her near the end of the segment. Yeah,
0: that's that's kind of a classic line. Probably dead. So, according to Sam Miller, Linda's brother-in-law, Linda once got a restraining order to keep Don away. Quote, she'd already made the decision to move out. She had filed for divorce. She had definitely made plans to start a new life. On April 22, 1985, Linda left her night job at around two in the morning. Oh, girl, I can relate to you with them night jobs. Uh, Don Sherman offered his account of that night. She didn't come home from work until about three in the morning. We got into an argument about the fact that she wouldn't tell me where she'd been, and we stayed up until at least four a.m. in the morning discussing that. Huh. I love the uh, the euphemisms there. Discussing that we discussed <laughs> it. Yeah, no. If this guy has a temper that that y'all you guys are you know talking about, you know, if she works until two, and she doesn't get home until three, and she's not saying where she was. Yeah, I'm sure they were staying up until four in the morning, having a very civil discussion. No, they were they were shouting at each other. Yeah. It was a red jumpsuit apparatus video waiting to happen. Do you feel like a man as you push her around? You remember that song, Mike? No. Hey, girl, you know you're driving me crazy. Anyway, they're a band from Jacksonville. They got kind of big, I guess, in the 2000s. Anyway, Linda was lying on the sofa later that morning when her daughter Patty left for school. Quoting Patty here, She always took me to school, but my dad took me to school that day. And I remember her laying on the couch with her face to the back of the couch, and she didn't get up. She didn't kiss me goodbye. She didn't say anything to me. She was just laying there. That would be the last time Patty ever saw her mother. Don claimed that when he returned to his his house that afternoon, Linda was on edge. When I came back home, Linda was still there. She should have been at work by then, and she was mad because she was running late. Dawn says Linda drove off at about 6 p.m., but there were no witnesses that saw her leave. Linda never arrived at work and never returned home. Dawn claimed to know nothing about her disappearance. When she didn't come back, I assumed it was typical of the previous times that she had left, and I thought that she took off with somebody. Linda's brother, Sam, knew that Linda had met a violent end. We knew that if she left, there was no way she was leaving without her daughter, and the daughter was still at home, and so there was definitely foul play. Linda's parents insisted that Don go to the police station to file a missing persons report. Meanwhile, Sam and Fran searched frantically for Linda. On a hunch, according to Sam, they headed to the local airport. As we pulled into the short-term parking, why, there was Linda's car sitting right there. We went to look inside the car and we could only see her school books and her hat and everything. So we conducted, uh, we contacted the airport uh, police and they came and the car was locked. But they tried the trunk and the trunk was open. They said, We fully expected to see Linda, for Linda to be in there and she wasn't. It's kind of a weird thing for them to expect. Why would you expect? Yeah, I'm just expecting the dead body to be in
1: there. I mean, I I could say. I, I can agree with them. I I might that that thought might have passed my mind when I was if I was in that situation for sure. I I, I maybe would have kind of expected it. I don't, especially
0: since I've seen so many episodes of Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> yeah. and find you know dead bodies in trunks. So yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because of Unsolved Mysteries, I would have fully expected to see a dead body in there. So Don claimed that he saw Linda with another man in the days after her disappearance. He said that she drove past him in a van and she quickly ducked out of sight. Don's sighting was the last time anyone reported seeing Linda. The the man... It, the man... It, This whole, like... I'm not trying to, you know, throw
1: out accusations about Don, but, I mean, out of all of the prime suspects, he definitely does seem like the one who could be the one that has the most potential to have done what some of the police think he, he did. I'm not going to say he did it. I'm not going to say he for sure killed Linda, but it's one of those things where his story sounds a little bit too good to be true to me. Like he was saying something, well, she could have left with some other guy. And then I saw a van and down by the river and there was uh, this guy and I saw Linda and she quickly ducked, you know? So when she saw me, and then I never saw her again. It's like,
0: That was one of the that was in the in the reenactment. That was one of the most delayed duckings I've ever seen. By the way, yeah, like she like the van goes by and she's just sitting there looking at him for like a good like three seconds, and then she just then she ducks. You know, yeah, it's
1: awkward. It's like she just looks. at I could just imagine like the close up of her face, like darting her eyes, darting. He
0: sees her and then she's like uh uh." you know that's how that's honestly how they should have shot that i mean i know they i know it probably wouldn't have been as mysterious if they shot that way but i mean it would have conveyed the um seeing him and then quickly ducking better if they had shot it from inside the van from her perspective yep like she's driving down the road looking out the window and then all of a sudden she sees him and then she ducks quickly
1: and then he sees her he sees her you cut back to him seeing her and he's like what you, you no. know what? I, I'm like, I'm gonna
0: email huh? I'm gonna email Kevin O'Brien, <laughs> the uh, director of cinematography. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give him some notes on that.
1: <laughs> he might not have done the DPing for this one. I,
0: I and he most certainly would send me an email back telling me to go fuck myself. Which fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah. As far as Don being the um <laughs> the most probable um perpetrator in this in this case. You got. You got to look at motive, means, and opportunity. He definitely had the motive. He was a hot. Yep. He was a hothead. He was jealous. He was constantly, uh-huh. even in the in the unsolved mysteries interview, he was constantly accusing her of having an affair. He was flying off the handle when she was uh, an hour, like you know, an hour or however long it took her to get home. He came across as being overly defensive in the interview. Yeah. So he had the motive. He. I think he he looked like a pretty tall, you know, slender guy. So he had the means if he wanted to kill her you know, probably could have done it. And he had the opportunity because he, you know, who would have been the, the witness but his daughter. And he could have easily found a way to maneuver around that situation when she was at school or something like that. So it's not. Yeah. Remember, the police chief was also like uh, he had
1: he was trying to get into a different another relationship. And uh, he frequented
0: that bar. Yeah, and he needed basically he needed proof. You know, I guess for the even though she was missing, you know, he probably wanted to finalize some kind of a divorce, and he needed proof that she was in fact deceased. So yeah. that would have been the another motive for the skull being found outside of the restaurant. It wanted he wanted to. I mean, that's that's a really crazy way of doing that. Yeah. But at the same time, he's familiar to that bar. It would work. Yeah. I mean, why set the skull at some place where he, someone might not find it? You know, it's like, as the investigator said at the beginning of the interview, you know, it was as if somebody wanted to be found. So anyway, yeah. uh, Don's sighting was the last time anyone reported Linda. Five years later, when the skull turned up at the restaurant, no one even thought that it might be Linda's. And what seems like a bizarre coincidence is, Don revealed that the restaurant was one of his favorite hangouts. I was at the restaurant that evening, after the skull had been found. I would heard about it that day, when it happened, but never any connection to it until later on. No one made a connection until a year later, when the mysterious letter arrived at the Venita Park Police Station. Lieutenant Michael Webb... Now see, there's a fucking name I can say. Michael Webb. <laughs> can we get more Michael Webbs? Unless... Other guy? Lieutenant Michael Webb interpreted the display of Linda's skull as a brazen message from her killer. I was rather astounded. It was obvious to me that somebody wanted us to know that we had obviously missed something and was trying to tell us that Linda's remains had been recovered. Don Sherman said he was just as incredulous as anyone else. It was scary and somebody put those remains here at the restaurant obviously knew me or knew that I hung out there. We're not talking about a place that I casually visited. We're talking about a place that I would visit 2 3 times a week. And just the fact that he's so like you know, he Nonchalant. he's really trying to drive the point home that I go here a lot. Look how innocent uh-huh. I am. Look how much I'm I'm not trying to hide the fact that I you know go to this place often i go here all the time you know and i'm on camera telling you this of course it wouldn't be me you know but then again
1: well there was another guy who was interviewed on the show and it wasn't (laughs) yeah
0: so i know like i said i'm kind of contradicting what i said you know in the last case or whatever about the creepy pedo guy who actually ended up not being the guy anyway Was it possible that the killer placed the skull there to threaten Don? Or did Don have a reason to put it there himself? Some speculated that Don wanted to remarry and needed proof that Linda was dead. Only one thing is certain, for Don, the skull provided the perfect piece of evidence. For Linda's daughter, Patty, which I'm most sad about and my heart goes out to, and that's really what this case is about as far as I'm concerned. For Linda's daughter, Patty, the find was devastating. She says, when the skull was found, I just kind of lost all hope in life. I didn't know that she was dead. I guess there was always some hope that she had just left. For Lieutenant Michael Webb, the evidence pointed in only one direction. The only suspect that I've been unable to eliminate is Don Sherman. At this point in time, he has never been ruled out as a suspect. Don's daughter, Patty, doesn't see how it can be any other way. In my heart, I think that he might have done it. You know, I can't think of anybody else who would have. And Don Sherman has never stopped proclaiming his innocence. I had nothing to do with Linda Sherman's disappearance or her death. I think that she left with someone and obviously met with foul play and died. And that's exactly how he said it in the interview, too. Yeah,
1: the way he says that is just so...
0: Just very nonchalant and very, like, and died, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't give a fuck. Can I leave now, Unsolved Mysteries people? Can Can I go back to my job or whatever I was doing, boning my new wife? Can I go back to doing that now? Police hope new technology and soil sampling will someday lead them to Linda's body and eventually her killer. There's a little bit of an update here, but not
1: much. Police later sent cadaver-sniffing dogs to a, and a search team to Perryville, 75 miles south of St. Louis, where they believe the body was buried. However, no traces of Linda's remains were found. One of Don's ex-girlfriends has claimed that he confessed to killing Linda. However, there has not been enough evidence to charge him. Police chief Michael Webb passed away in 2009, and Dennis Lutz, Linda's brother, passed away in January of 2016.
0: Someone's saying on the comments here, um, how they used to watch this episode or whatever. And they were saying the daughter was talking about the day when she was, uh, going to school and seeing her mother sleeping on the sofa with her face turned away from view and all. And, um, this person would say that, uh, to themselves, this woman was already dead during that child's departure from the house because she believes that her father may have killed her, uh, mother, then later disposed of the body, um and someone else is agreeing that's a possibility but there's nothing really to prove that
1: and i can't really prove that don did it or not either but i don't know he seems really suspicious to me
0: you would think i mean in all these other cases don't they like go through the house and like check for blood or hair or some kind of sample of you know it seems like police are more tenacious in some of these cases and less tenacious in others like, yeah. I mean, I'm not a legal expert, so I don't know what kind of red tape, you know, and what, you know, the rights are of these people. Uh, it just seems like in some of these cases, the police, like, turn the house upside down and rip up carpet until they find something. And then in other cases like this, they're like, well, we don't really know how this human skull got in this, like, garden of this Mexican restaurant. But, uh, yeah, the husband hasn't been ruled out. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. You guys want to hit up some uh, some Dunkin' Donuts? Like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, why in some cases are they ripping up carpets to find dried blood underneath? And in this case, they, they are just like,
1: well, I mean, you know. Um, I thought after talking about these two depressing cases, it might be a good idea to talk about a case that's a little bit less depressing. One that uh, is kind of fun. I think it's fun. Well, I wouldn't say kind of fun. I would say... I think it's really fun it's actually. Fun. Uh, <laughs> and uh that's the case of the Chevy Chase Bandit. Like just right off the bat that name is
0: great. It is. That's classic. Especially now because classic. Chevy Chase has kind of become this um like this disaster, so like yeah. I think it's be- it's kind of cool to mock him now. Yeah. So
1: well, I mean, that all started with the Chevy Chase show, which is a total disaster and one of the worst talk shows you will ever watch in your Dude, life. Dude,
0: make that fucking epic fail podcast you were going to do because I want to hear about all <laughs> these things, you know, because like I didn't even know he had a talk show.
1: Yeah, I do. I do want to do that. I, I do want to get around to doing that. But with all this other stuff with college and all this other, I mean, it's we'll, we'll see. i got going to watch a bunch of foreign films and shit. Uh, but anyway, uh, the Chevy Chase Bandit, uh, this was, uh, it aired in season one sometime. This is a very quick little segment. It's not on Amazon Prime uh, because they did this thing where they cut out the stuff that happened like at the end of the episode before Robert Stack says, you know, perhaps it's you, you know, uh, talking about maybe you could help solve a mystery next week or whatever. And there was, like, this little sort of roll call kind of thing where uh, Robert Stack would mention some criminals who were on a wanted list. And the Chevy Chase Bandit is the the one that introduced the list of these robbers and stuff. Forgive me if I'm sniffling or whatever. Apparently, the temperature changes, like, wreak havoc on my sinuses. Oh, me too. It's the craziest thing. Um but that's to be expected because it was like, oh, it's like 20, 30 degrees outside. Now it's 58. It's almost 60 degrees. <laughs> the middle of winter. Uh, but anyway, uh, there was this unknown man uh, who had robbed several banks in the California area, and he's wanted by the police. He was given the name the Chevy Chase Bandit because in a Beverly Hills bank robbery, he tripped over a rug <laughs> and fell in a similar way to how Chevy Chase used to pratfall on SNL
0: before saying live from New York it's Saturday night (laughs) so and so So they really needed that (laughs) Benny Hill music (laughs) plan this 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 segment cracked me up
1: it really did The, the actor who does the pratfall does it perfectly uh he has this just total blank look on his face he walks into the bank looking all intimidating and whatever and then it's like whoa, <laughs> whoops! <laughs> then he gets back up and gives a, a a note to the teller, which apparently said something like, "I have a gun, I have a bomb, give me money." Uh, I also have a partner. Now apparently this guy only walked out with seven hundred dollars, which is also pretty laughable. And through all of this trouble, and he only walks out with seven hundred bucks.
0: Maybe that was the only money that didn't have die packs attached to them in some way. It was just the loose j- change in the drawer.
1: No, no, she, she, he he uh, he asked for uh, money. The teller gave her gave him like a bunch of ten dollar bills or something like that. Packs of ten dollar bills, which led to the 700 seven hundred dollar total. And he got the Chevy Chase name from the police department, and the cop is interviewed, and you could tell like he's holding back a laugh we talk about yeah we we uh because of his tendency to trip and fall because he fell on the security camera footage we um we gave him the nickname the Chevy Chase Bandit you can tell like did not he doesn't smile or anything but you could tell like he wants to he wants to he wants to have a big grin on his face and laugh and I guess they're, it's trying to make it sort of sound like he's some brilliant mastermind. Like, that's his whole... It's his entrance.
0: He trips and falls. And <laughs> it disarms whatever. people. Oh, this guy is just a friendly goofball. And then all of a sudden he pulls a gun on you.
1: No, I, I think... I think he actually just tripped over his own feet. Or tripped on the rug. I think he was just like a clumsy dumbass there. I don't, I don't think that was intentional. Um, But that's, that's, that's my thought. But can you imagine that? Like, if that's the whole sort of... That's his shtick. Like the wet bandits. He's a Chevy Chase band.
0: Yeah, that's, uh um, Strips
1: and falls. That's... And I, I just thought it would be a fun thing to mention because, uh... I, I might post, like, a clip or something on the Facebook group or whatever, or, or a GIF. Because it honestly is something you have to see to really appreciate it. Like, it, it is a really great, funny pratfall that the guy does. Um... And it doesn't really seem like it's even... like He just falls, and then he gets up rather unnaturally. So maybe he did. Maybe it was all just a plan. Like, that's his whole plan. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna rob this bank. But, you know, I need a trademark. I just watched some SNL reruns. I really like Chevy Chase. I'm just gonna do that. So wh- wh- I'm gonna walk into the bank, and I'm gonna do a brat fall. I'm going to say, live from New York, give me all your money.
0: (laughs) Chevy Chase is somebody who really fascinates me because like that guy's fall from grace was so like crazy to me because like he was. Yeah, it was precipitous. It was just he was so big in like the 70s and 80s and like the National Lampoon Vegas or the vacation, the National Lampoon vacation movies are some of the best movies like comedically out there i would say i would say the last film
1: that he did that i really liked was nothing but trouble which is a film that i think it's a movie you got to watch more than once because the movie i didn't really care for the first time i saw it i thought it was weird and dumb but the more times i saw it i'm like this is actually kind of clever and it's a nice black comedy a nice dark comedy and, and actually a lot a lot funnier and a lot more inventive than it gets credit for when was that released? And then after that, 1991. Oh, wow, damn. <laughs> like almost three decades ago. Um, yeah, so then after that, it was just a, in my opinion, he just fell off the face of like, the earth. He did Cops and Robbersons with Jack Palance, uh, Man of the House with Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and Vegas Vacation I didn't mind, but it, it. I would say I definitely liked that more than European Vacation. European Vacation I thought was a huge letdown but uh, it's not on par with Christmas Vacation or Vacation.
0: Uh,
1: d- w- like, I heard he's like... And then the talk show. I think that's one of the biggest things that really caused his fall from grace is the talk show.
0: And was that later in the 90s or...? Yeah, it was in the mid-90s around there. Was he trying to, d- Was he trying to like, occupy the same stratosphere as, like, Carson and Leno and all that? Yeah,
1: and, 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 and uh, Arsenio Hall and stuff like that, and it was just
0: a total bomb. And then he started uh, becoming a regular on what? Community was it or Parks and Rec? One of those
1: shows. I think it was Community. And I
0: heard he was just an extremely huge douchebag on that show. Like nobody liked working with him. Well, I think he's a huge douchebag in general,
1: apparently. Um, but his personality—it seems to work when he's like—he's got—he's—he's he's a great comedian when it comes to his pants. He's one of the best deadpan comedians out there. I mean, Fletch is a prime example of that. And it's just one of those things where I guess he was a huge douchebag, but I think as years have gone by, I think he's kind of softened up a little bit, I've heard. Like, he's he's kind of gotten the point that he's no longer this big star and, you know, it just needs to kind of go with the flow and not be such a dick. True that. But yeah, uh, apparently this guy was captured because a segment aired a second time. A viewer recognized the bank photos of the Chevy Chase Bandit and contacted the FBI. Identified as a man named Bernard Strick, the bandit was arrested on April 26, 1989 in, a, in Marina del Rey, California. Bernard
0: Strick died in
1: 2013. Hmm.
0: Well, he he gets a mention on this podcast and he was on Unsolved Mysteries so as being one of the probably most comically uh, capable uh, robbers. Although, I think there might be others out there too. I don't know. I'm out of gas, personally. Um, So, that's the end of the podcast. If you would like to find us on YouTube separately, but equally, uh, Mike is um, youtube.com slash OCP Communications. He does... Uh, movie reviews mainly. What what's the last video you put out, Mike? I just put up a
1: rant on the film Rough Night, which I felt was the worst comedy of 2017. Also, uh that video is in 1080p and in 60 frames per oh, second. Oh, did
0: you get a new you got a new webcam, right?
1: Yes, I did. Oh, I got yeah, to figure out how to get it to work. I want to
0: check that out. I want to see you in HD. Um <laughs> You can find me at youtube.com/dancingwithghosts. Um my most recent video which I put out like two days ago. It's actually on the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries group. Um, I taste test a bunch of Asian food because... I thought it was great. Thank you. It was really entertaining. Your your
1: guest was uh, great, too. She had great chemistry with the you. Lovely
0: yes, um- the lovely Stephanie. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: the lovely Stephanie. And the durian was a disappointment, but it sounds like the one you got was not really...
0: Yeah, um, typical durian the, or something. That's an that's the it's like a big ass bowling ball sized spiky fruit, and it it's it's literally it it's the weight of a small bowling ball. So you try to pick it up, and the spikes dig into your hand. You can barely even maneuver the fucker, and it's supposed to be one of the smelliest, most pungent fruits out there. And ours really wasn't that smelly, but God, did it taste weird. So if you want to see that video, you can go to youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts and give it a little looky-loo. And give me a subscribe and a thumbs up while you're there just to give me a nice pat on the ass and tell me that I'm doing a good job. (laughs) I need that kind of validation in my life. Um, Anyway, though, for me and Mike, that's all the time we have for this week. We'll see you next week. Uh, Bye. See ya. What's up, everybody? Just wanted to remind you that my album, Koi Anaskazi, is still out for uh, purchase on CD. i got about 15 CDs left, so if you want an actual hard copy, you might want to get on that soon. Uh, I can sign it for you, whatever you want. I don't know if I'm going to do a second run on those or not. And the album digitally is available on iTunes and anywhere else where you can buy digital music. Thanks.
1: My girl wants to party all the time.
0: All right. <laughs> Why you would choose that? I don't know, but uh... I know you don't like that song. Oh, okay. Thank you. I appreciate the um, punishment. <laughs> all right. Let me get my shitty levels. I'm not. Up.
1: A, I'm not a big fan of it either, but it's better than uh, Eddie Murphy's "Put Your Mouth on Me" or the duet he did with uh, Michael Jackson. Oh or the horrible
0: love song he did. Oh my god. <laughs> that just goes to show you if you get to a certain level of fame, like you can just do whatever the fuck you want, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. But Seriously, Josh, if you listen
1: to his other music, you'll have you'll have some respect for party all the time. <laughs> you'll be like, You know what? <laughs> I still don't like the song, but
0: compared to this other uh, compared
1: shit. to this other shit that eddie murphy's saying like I'll, I'll take this
0: <laughs> god that's i mean i don't know what i should be more surprised at the fact that i would actually like party all the time compared to his other stuff or the fact that you know so much of his other stuff <laughs> that you can say definitively that party all the time is the better song no, I mean, honestly, like, I don't think it's that bad. I, I feel like it's a ripoff of almost, like, every movie soundtrack song in the 80s. Just that. Yeah,
1: it's
0: just, <laughs> and it's got so many 80s, like, swooshing, like, synth effects and that. And all that kind of shit. And it's just. Well, it sounds
1: like potty all the time to me. Because how he's singing. My girl wants to party all the time Party all the time Party all the time
0: <laughs> Yeah, and like You know that producer was probably like The, the, the star A-plus producer of the time And it's just so funny how like What's hot in one decade becomes this awful Rick James Rick James
1: was, I think, the producer One of the guys who helped work on the song
0: Well, I mean, whoever like composed the song I guess I should say I think it was Rick James. Oh, uh, I don't know, because Rick James didn't—he didn't do that shit with his own music. He was doing like funk, and you know.
1: Yeah, but no, he was—he was in the music video, and he oh, I know. Eddie make the song. I,
0: I know that he was involved with it at in, to some extent, but like, I don't know if he actually. You know what? Let me fucking look this shit up.
1: <laughs> so yeah, the the Hadley case—I definitely want to cover sometime, but. Because I think it's a good case. It's the one where the guy wrote a letter to his wife or whatever that he'd been uh, married to for many years about how he's going to leave her and take all this money or whatever and then go out of state. Um, It was that guy who eventually just kind of cracked one day and just decided to rob his bank that he'd been working for for many years. (laughs) And he got away with it. he just went in and he just put all the money in duffel bags and even went through the airport. He got through airport
0: security, but this is like early in like the eighties, late eighties. So, you know, it's not like, okay. So the song was, yeah, it was written and composed by Rick James and Kevin Johnston. Huh? Okay, whatever. Rick James's line in the song was good, you know? Like the one sparkling little gem in the song.
1: Party all the time <laughs> Like
0: that sounded good, but uh everything Eddie Murphy did was uh Eddie's not a good singer. No, not really, no. I can't believe the excessive use of uh the word faggot in his uh like his HBO yeah. special back in like the eighties or whatever. Like yeah. he- He was saying that shit left and right, you know, and then this faggot came up to me I was like, yo, faggot, and I'm like, and everyone's just like laughing and shit, and I'm like, oh my god, that would, that would never fly nowadays. Nope. Apparently, there are
1: millennials who are getting triggered by friends now.
0: Hey, hold on a second. I just heard some weird beeping sound in my house. Yeah, I heard
1: that too. Ah! What?
0: <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the car um right next to my room outside by my neighbor's house. I think they were like I think they accidentally turned on their alarm or something. Okay, for a second I was like, what is this? A found footage movie now? Is this part of my activity? Yep. Wait. So, what are you saying? Millennials getting triggered by the show Friends? What? Yeah. What? 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 How? <laughs> That's the I, most I squeaky clean fucking show I've I've ever seen. In the n- In the nineties, at least. Yeah. What the? What? What the fuck?
1: <laughs> Dude, I. I mean, their heads would explode if they watched All in the Family, or, or Seinfeld, married even. Married with Jesus Children. Christ definitely married with children
0: yeah oh yeah oh "Oh, this
1: is fat shaming and this is offensive and and that's why i love it (laughs) i love married with children because it isn't pc the show is even funnier now than it might have been back then it still probably would have been hilarious back then but it's even funnier now because of just how over the top politically correct a lot of things have gotten lately
0: there's something comforting about listening to somebody else say all this kind of stuff because you you know that you're not going to take the heat for it, but you still, like, you still want to hear that kind of comedy and shit, but, like, yeah. you know, you're not, you know... Like there's so many jokes that I had to like redo or edit. Like even in that that Asian taste testing video that I did recently, like I had to edit. Yeah, out. I was
1: wonder. I was wondering if you were gonna do it some kind of you know potentially offensive Asian.
0: Right. I wanted to. <laughs> I jokes. wanted to do some kind of Asian something or other. You know, because in the try to do an Asian accent and be you know you know. I and I thought about it, but yeah, then I no. <laughs> but then I, I was I was like, there's just no way, like, there's just there with how fucking sensitive people are, there's just no way you could do that. Although, people still get a
1: kick out of Chappelle's uh, the first sketch that he did on the, on his Chappelle show that really took off <laughs> was the the blind uh KKK guy.
0: Yeah, I mean. Uh, poli- that political correctness stuff it, It's re- really like All those uh, chi- men from China And their ching chong
1: <sighs> ching chong talk Need to
0: <laughs> Oh that's just one of the many like super yeah, thi- exactly. uh, uh, like Triggering things But see that was like so extreme That, that it's like you would have to be uh, Mentally special To not realize That he was Obviously doing a, a send up of, exactly. of those kind of people um, I, I think the subtlety Is is where you can get away with it Like if it, if you're yeah. You know But uh, I, I remember even back then there was like This outrageous thing And then you ha- he had Chappelle had the wrong Kind of people Into it Because he had all these Like white guys Coming up to him Going Hey man I love that segment You did about all those You know N-words or whatever uh, Yeah yeah and, yeah and he'd be yeah. He'd be like You know Now I want to hit you You know Because that's not what that's not what it was about you know exactly i'm glad this is b so, i'm glad this is b-roll footage because no one would know <laughs> but what the fuck <laughs> we're even talking about dave Chappelle, season one episode one go and watch it yeah
1: we, we should probably uh get started because i'm gonna go see thor three finally like later this evening so i'm like, gonna be there by six so
0: oh it's six it's i hate to tell you dude it's six twenty seven right now so you're a little late <laughs> at at your over where you are it is oh the world i thought the world like literally revolved around me okay so what (laughs) order do we want to do this and
1: we want to do i guess we could do debbie first because it's not as i mean as detailed as linda right yeah that's fine and
0: then save chevy chase for last
1: yeah because it's a very short thing but you could see why i wanted to briefly mention it because it (laughs) I'd love to make a gif of that of that guy
0: who just, just walks falls. In it, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I didn't. Back up. I didn't even exit out of that motherfucker. Like I had the tab pulled up, and now it's ju- it just went away of the shotgun survivor. Bitch, now I gotta find your message where you sent me. Here, oh. excuse Lord. you. Uh, I didn't say excuse me, so don't don't excuse me for me. <laughs> I did not want to be excused. Triggered. But- <laughs> trigger happy trigger happy i got an ak-47 now you know it makes me feel just right shoot to kill now shoot to kill is that a weird owl song it is it's all it's on off the deep end my that was that was the one song uh growing up that me and my cousin were listening to by weird owl my aunt just did not approve of that song but I mean, it is a pretty gruesome song, but he's singing it like a Beach Boys song, like a pastiche yeah. of a Beach Boys song. So it's like, you know, uh-huh. it's it's it doesn't sound as vulgar as it actually. If you
1: really would. want to make people like look at you weird, like listen to Albuquerque. They'll be like, what? Yeah, that song's brilliant. Yeah. I know. I, I know it is. But a lot of other people will be like, what? In my uh, in my no. opinion,
0: Weird Al hasn't written uh, an Albuquerque in in years, in in decade like a over a decade. Like there hasn't been a song that's been like on that caliber. What his original? I not, mean, I not liked his, his last
1: album, but yeah, you know, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, well, I, I like the night Santa went crazy, but I think that was around the same time. That was before Albuquerque, yeah. but that was that was a good song. That it just. It's just a commentary on how shitty music is in general in in the music yeah. in the music world. When Weird Al's parodies aren't so great, because it's like he he can only work with what you give him. So if there's a bunch of shitty music around, he can't really make awesome parodies of shitty songs. Cause
1: I, I think one of his I I'd argue that Albuquerque isn't his uh last great song because I really liked uh, the song uh, the
0: tour guide. Yeah, no, it's not his last great song, but, like, Albu- like I'm saying, like, it was his last, like, super original, like, epic song. Because, yeah, I like songs like Virus Alert off of um, uh-huh. Straight Outta Linwood. That's a really good song. Yeah. Um, Lame Claim to Fame, I kind of like.
1: Yeah, because you probably met
0: people like that. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, but, you know, Albuquerque was just, like, I mean, they're, Weird Al fans have that song memorized. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's... that's yeah. Alright, we're really we getting <laughs> Alright, let's see what episode we're on. I want to say 68. Or no, 78. My bad.
1: Dude, what yeah, fu- Skipper
0: Dan. I like that one a lot. Dude, what the fuck are we gonna do for our 100th episode? And I also
1: like stop forwarding that crap to oh, me. Oh that yeah, great.
0: that's a really good one too. Yeah, I sent I actually sent that song to my mom because she did exactly what he <laughs> talked about in the song.
1: Stop forwarding that crap to
0: me. Like, er- everything he says in that song is, like, it n- hit the nail on the head with all those horrible emails people used to... I'd say it was a lot bigger of a problem, like, ten years ago. Like, I'd say people don't really do that stuff as much anymore, yeah. but goddamn.
1: But that- I-, I love it because it's a great... Uh, it's a parody that's in the style of, like, Meat Loaf or yeah. Jim time in or something like that. All right, let's get started with this depressing episode. Yeah, I know. It's not <laughs> with gonna- some funny stuff at the end. You
0: know, because all right, Chevy Chase fanned it. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number seventy-eight of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Saturday, January seventy-eight. Sure yes, it is seventy-eight. Let's start that again. <laughs> I think I hit my mic stand anyway, so I go on to do that. Give it a second one. Speaking of edits, I need to
1: use the restroom real quick, and then I'll be back. Then we can talk about Chevy Chase. All
0: right. One eleven seventeen. Jeez, Mike's like laboring to like get to the bathroom. You hear him like groaning and shit. He's like, "Ugh, my eighty-year-old colon. I'm about to blow it out my ass." Just, oh, You know, Mike. Even though he tells me, and he's not here right now, folks. So it's just, you know, he probably won't even listen to this on the on the extra B-roll footage, but. Mike says he's like 28 or 29, but like he literally he has, I think, the personality of an 80-year-old man, like a grandpa, you know what I mean? A grandpa who does not like his routines to be interrupted, and I think that's why me and Mike get along so well, because I myself am also an 80-year-old man with a very youthful voice, so I feel like if we ever did meet in person, we would drink some Alka-Seltzer, mixtures and we would um, take our Geritol and I think we would go down to the Moose Lodge and uh, play some shuffleboard and that's how I think our first encounter would be so you know that's just me though uh, he would probably be down for it too I would imagine live from New York it's Saturday, it's Saturday, night, Saturday night. night with Will <laughs> Farrell, Daryl Hammond <laughs>
1: chris parnell i guess you remember the 2000s
0: featuring show. jimmy fallon <laughs> it's saturday night live i feel don pardo i feel like i can do an okay don pardo but i only say i could do an okay one too yeah. only saying it's saturday night live though i can't do like anything else like i feel like i can i can do a you don't get a copy of our
1: home game in fact you're a complete loser. You're a complete
0: loser. Don't know what <laughs> I was thinking of. Like I could do a really good bare naked ladies, but only the uh, "it's Ben" part from the song. One week, it's Ben, and then that's it. That's all I can. It's Ben. One so it week. Did sounds you look sounds like at me. it's 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 skipping. <laughs> it's Ben. It's Ben. Yeah, pretty much. So it's
1: like the girl, you know, it's girl, you know, it's girl, you know, know it's girl, girl, you know, know it's it's true.
0: (laughs) Man, yeah, we're going to have to hurry this up because I don't want to have to take a uh, shit edit. And that's that that's that would be a first. (laughs) That would be a first for our podcast. That would be a little longer than one minute. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) letting. Yeah, we'll wrap it up pretty quick. There's not a lot to say about this. And then we'll 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 talk about the Chevy Chase Bandit and then. Do some more promos or whatever,
0: and then no, we don't. We day. don't need to do any more promos. That was a one-time deal. I can use that from. No,
1: I I meant promoting your YouTube channel. And oh, oh, like
0: okay, I got you. Yeah, we're chilling. You can take the uh, lead on the Chevy Chase thing because I don't. So.